Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Manoa Podcast. We are in episode five today, and uh, we're covering another good topic. It's it's one that's kind of thought as simple, but it, it can actually get pretty complicated. Um, so I'll do my best to break it down as much as possible so that we can understand exactly what it is, how it works, and most of all, how we can train it, because the first two are kind of useless if we don't really apply them. Now, there are quite a few ways to train it, and depending on who you talk to, they're going to have a different philosophy on what is the best way to train it. But when it comes down to it, there's no one right way. All of all of these different philosophies follow the same principles. So when it really comes down to is personal preference and um, what you enjoy doing. Now, this topic is strength. If you read the title of this episode, we're talking about strength today. And as an athlete, this is one of the most important things because it can allow you to uh, run a little faster, jump a little higher, be able to absorb more force, stay healthier, etc. It is kind of the thing that allows you to perform at your best. One of the things that I want you guys to think about as we go through the rest of this episode is the definition of strength. Now, this is not a formal definition, I don't think, um, but it's one that I use because it makes the most sense in an athletic context. So strength is the ability for an athlete to do work on either themselves or another object. So what do I mean by do work? So um, I'm using like a, 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 the physics definition of what work is. It's it's force times distance. So it is a force being applied uh, over a certain amount of distance. So if you, for example, if you were to do a push-up, uh, you going up on the way up and on the way down, you're doing work. On the way up, you're doing positive work. On the way down, you're doing negative work. But throughout the whole motion, there's a force being applied across a distance. If you do an isometric push-up, so hold yourself halfway up, you're not moving. You're still applying the force, but you're not moving. So this distance is zero. So anything times zero is zero. So there's no work, right? Um, now, I know that it's not a, a perfect definition because I know in certain circumstances you are um, in an isometric position. But those are very, I would say those are very nuanced uh, circumstances. And overall, when you do training, uh, most 90% of your training is going to be work-based training unless you're doing core and certain isometrics, that's when I guess you can kind of put that out the window. That's that does a whole different purpose. Now, when you're doing work, there's two ways to do more work on something. Either you can increase the force or the distance uh, at which the force is applied. Now, if you want to increase the force you apply on something, this is when you just do strength training. Uh, and if you want to increase the distance, that's when you do mo mobility training, but not just mobility training. You want to also train in those ranges of motion so that they can actually be useful. Uh, if, if, you could, if you can only put yourself in those positions, but you can't, you're not strong in those positions, yeah, it may help from an injury, uh, injury prevention standpoint, but it doesn't help from a performance standpoint because you can't actually use that range of motion. So that's why uh, when people do, are doing squats, uh, branch or any, any, any uh, exercise for that matter, range of motion is super critical because you want to be strong in uh, the entire range of motion. The, the more range of motion you can be strong in, typically the better. Obviously there's like a, you know, there's a diminishing returns after a certain point. You don't want, like if, if, you're, if you're able to hold yourself in the splits, like, yeah, that's pretty cool, but what purpose does that serve, right? And one example that this is useful is in vertical jumping. When you, people uh, do vertical jumping, oftentimes they don't get low enough in their jump. And if you get a little, if people get a little bit lower, I'm not saying like they should go like, you know, ask the grass on the vertical jump, but just getting a few degrees lower uh, on their knees might allow them to be able to uh, apply a force 
for a longer period of time and over a greater distance, which can can result after being trained, of course, after you train it, uh, can result in a better vertical jump. Now, this kind of goes into the direction of power training, which is a completely different uh, beast on its own. It's it's uh, it's much more complicated than, than just strength on its own because we're also dealing with uh, velocity and the speed at which you move things. This That's something that I'll tackle in another uh, episode in the future. For today, we're just, we're just going to talk about strength, basic foundational strength, um, and you know what it is, how it works, how to train it. So we briefly covered what it is, but now how does it work in the body? And I feel like this is important to know because then it makes sense as to how we train it. So just to reference, uh, there's a lot that goes on to create strength, but I'm going to include what I believe are the three most important components that make up strength in an individual from a functional perspective. So what this means is this is just kind of like the bare bones of what makes strength. There's there's a lot that goes into it and to, to dive into it would be a little too much and too overwhelming. So I'm going to cover the basic uh, components and I'm going to cover them in the steps at which you develop them too. Uh, when you start to train, I'm talking like first touch a uh, barbell, there is there is a significant learning curve you, you go through with uh, how to do the exercises, how your body adapts to them, so on and so forth. Uh, so I'm going to go through the kind of the progression of uh, what you develop over time and, uh, and with these components. The first component I want to talk about is the mechanical component. So this kind of refers to your ability to perform an exercise well, essentially. So the better that you can perform it, the more efficient you will be the less stress goes on the muscles and you'll be able to uh, be much stronger as a result. So a uh, way to understand this is when you first start doing an exercise in the gym, it probably feels awkward and foreign. As you get to do the exercise more and more, then you start to feel more comfortable. You can uh, really uh, start to push it and not, not feel any more of that awkwardness. And then as a result, you're able to lift more weight, get stronger, so on and so forth. So this is why technique is so crucial. And I really love, I'm, uh, I'm going to claim this as my own uh, saying, because I haven't heard anyone else say it, but work on the movement and the movement will work on you. It is so critical that people go on doing this. And I, and I know that when you go into the gym, especially as a, a teenage, a teenager and a, and a, a dude, even more so, you want to go in there and start throwing plates on and start pumping out some weights. But unfortunately, you have to go through the grueling process of uh, humbling yourself and starting with, you know, lighter weight, make sure the form is perfect. And over time, if you do things right, you can start to crank on some more plates and actually be able to lift it properly without injuring yourself. And, you know, when you're maybe when you're 60, you'll have knees to walk around with. Now, it's not just about you getting comfortable doing the exercise. It also uh, one big factor that has to go into this is uh, energy loss. So how efficient you are doing that exercise. Initially, when you do an exercise, you're not going to be as stable in certain parts of your body, key places like your core, maybe your hips or your shoulders. Like these, these spots have like what's known as like energy leaks, like uh, the force doesn't transfer properly from one body part to another. But as you strengthen, you stabilize your core and your hips and your shoulders and all that stuff. Over time, you can be more solid in that and have a greater foundation when you're performing these exercises. On top of that, you're not going to have wasted energy from other places. Things aren't going to be uh, like overactive when they don't need to be, that sort of thing. So as you do this, your body's going to be like, okay, we can, we have to dial this up, but we can dial this down and it's going to pick, find the, the perfect balance between, uh, muscle groups. And it's going to be perfectly synchronous or almost perfectly synchronous, but a uh, disclaimer, this only goes so far. So this is really only if you're a beginner, uh, maybe a bit to an intermediate, 
and we'll talk about this more uh, overall uh, later on, but this this isn't going to be a major component. It's just the initial learning curve. A big portion of strength is just simply learning how to do the movement properly. And now this isn't anything, not just in the gym. This is also on, the, on your field of play. Uh, I'm guessing like the first time you shoot a basketball, throw a baseball, do anything, it was probably a week and a, and a lot of wasted motions. But over time, you learn how to make that more efficient uh, to the point where it's just, it's like nothing. Next up is the hypertrophy component. So this refers to muscle growth. Hypertrophy means muscle growth. Uh, so having greater muscle size to an extent can contribute to greater muscle contraction and therefore more force being uh, produced. This is because the greater amount of contractile tissue, aka muscle, you have, the more you'll have uh, available to do work. So this is not a perfect correlation, right? Because um, you see you see bodybuilders, they're not necessarily the strongest people, and that's because they don't train the last component I'm talking about. But um, for young athletes, and you know, for the for most for most of us who you know don't have 25 inch arms, uh, the getting a bit of extra muscle on, getting a bit of extra muscle mass on our entire frame, can lead to uh, uh, greater strength outputs. Now, a lot of this depends on what sport you play and the position you play within that sport. So this doesn't mean that we should all kind of train like uh, offensive linemen in football. Is if you play volleyball, for example. Um, but in many cases, in early stages of training, gaining some extra muscle can improve your potential to lift weights. In my, in my opinion, I think almost all athletes in high school are underdeveloped physically. And w w you can kind of see this with, with every athlete um, as they progress from high school to university to pro. Uh, if that's their progression, some guys go right to pro. You can see them visibly get better, bigger. I know like a great example um, is uh, Yanis Atetokubo. That guy, when he first got to the NBA, he, for reference, this guy is 6'8". When he got in, he became 6'11". But if you look at him physically, the guy is night and day. He's put on 40 pounds of muscle. Now, this, now you must be thinking, well, 40, 40 pounds of muscle or that much, that much mass added on as a basketball player is not a good idea. But obviously being that big, his frame can take it. So he's not, the guy is not a bodybuilder. But because of the extra training he did, the nutrition, all that good stuff, he was able to put on put on mass, and as a result, also have a greater potential to become stronger. But like I said, in order to utilize that muscle, you need to develop the last component. Yanis could have put on all the muscle in the world if he didn't train it properly. He would not be the strong, freaky athlete he is today. Uh, so the last component is the neural component, and this is the one that really. Uh, makes you better and it's the one that you can develop over the longest period of time. Now, without getting too much into anatomy, I'll kind of explain how this works in very simple terms. Uh, your nervous system is like is connected to your muscles. It's it's what uh, it's like it's like the cords that connect your brain to your muscles and they activate them. It's it's how you move. So the the brain and sometimes the spinal cord in some cases kind of start the electrical signal. They travel to your muscles via your nerves. And they make your muscles contract, and your brain is also responsible for coordinating all of this to to happen in a nice coordinated manner, so you're not just you know flailing your arms around. And there's many systems in the brain that that are, inv are involved in doing this. So the way, but the way this is organized is through these things called motor units. So a motor unit is a neuron in your brain and all of the muscle fibers that are that it controls. So you have uh, you have 
mul you have one you can have one motor neuron for multiple muscle fibers and you have multiple multiple motor neurons per muscle if that makes sense and there's two ways uh your body can generate more strength through the nervous system uh the motor uh motor, so the number of motor units it activates and the firing rate of the nerves so the more motor units you activate the more muscle fibers you activate therefore more force production there's also how if the firing rate of each motor uh, unit is faster then there's not not only going to be a stronger contraction but a faster contraction too leading to greater force production but it, now while there are these two distinctions uh, it's not an either or deal your body is constantly using a combination of the two to uh, complete uh, certain physical tasks and a lot of this has to do with things such as volition so you wanting to do it or you kind of perceiving like uh this is going to be a heavy weight um and of course the amount of weight that you do that you're that or like the external force on that's placed on your body uh that's going to be uh, a big factor and also fatigue is very important now i know i went through that really quickly and there was quite a bit of stuff but uh, I just want I just want you guys to kind of think about that, have a very simple understanding of what goes on, just to kind of be aware of it. I'm not expecting you guys to write a kin exam next week. Uh, don't worry, it's not it's not that type of a performance education. You guys are not writing exams for me, although that would be kind of funny. But it's going to kind of make uh, strength training make a bit more sense and be a little easier to understand. Oh, at least I hope so. So now, how do you train strength? So now this. To me, this ultimately depends on whether or not you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced athlete. Uh, there are very there's a lot of carryover between these, but also you have to think about what kind of adaptations can we get with this type of athlete, with a beginner, with an intermediate, or an advanced athlete. Uh, the 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 components I mentioned earlier they vary with what you can do uh, with uh, each different type of athlete, and it also depends what your goal is. So now I'm gonna, I'm going to give a bit of analogy of uh, of what some people think about in training is kind of like whether you want to push, the, uh, push the, the ceiling or lift the floor. So now what does this mean? Uh, lifting the floor means that you're raising your base level strength. So for example, um, when you start training, you have like a warm up weight or like an early set weight, let's say it's 135. I'm going to give an example. I'm going to use my, I'm going to use myself as an example. 135 for me at some point was, a was a pretty difficult weight to do i could do it for maybe eight to ten and this was like near the end of the set over time though as i got bigger and as i got stronger 135 became a warm-up it becomes something i do just to kind of feel out feel the bar get my form down and then i started moving on to higher weights and then over time i started i, I could even start to do 185 for a warm-up because of the fact that I was raising, I was, I was kind of lifting the floor. My base level strength was improving. Now, pushing the ceiling is when you're going for maximum performance. So it's like, what can you do for a one rep max or the types of weights you can do when uh, it's like your last set of that lift, for example. So you kind of got to think, am I going to try to raise my base level standard or am I, am I going to try to push uh, my maximum performance? That's kind of, uh, then in that type of training, can really depend and it really depends on um where you are in your off season 
uh, of course, if you're a beginner, intermediate, and advanced athlete, so on and so forth, and also your needs as well. And now when it comes to uh, you thinking about what, am I a beginner, an intermediate, or an advanced athlete, you really have to be honest with yourself. Uh, so Because it's not just about, oh, I've, uh, I've been training for like, since I was 14, 25 now, definitely an advanced lifter. It's like, ah, not necessarily, not necessarily. Um, and I have a few criteria for whether or not you're a beginner and intermediate and advanced. And ultimately, um, part of that is also like an eye test. So just seeing uh, the individual perform the exercises, go through a lift, all that stuff. Obviously, I, I can't see you guys, but um, that also plays a big role too. So there's just a couple general things you can maybe assess yourself with and just and be honest. Nothing wrong with, with being a step back than what you thought. Me personally, um, I'm an intermediate. And I've been training for uh, since I was 14, and I'm 20, almost 21 now. So I'm I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm an advanced lifter. It's like no, I'm I'm by no means have I'm I'm by no means an advanced lifter, and I'll explain why. So a beginner, a beginner gains easily. Now this is everything: strength, uh, muscle size, everything. Uh, and it still has lots of room to grow. So they're not even they haven't even touched uh, their genetic potential yet. They're not fully developed physically. Uh, their form still needs work for many exercises, so they're still kind of, they're still trying things out. They still uh, need to make sure that their body's comfortable in the various positions they have to get into. Um, they haven't done much high-intensity lifting, right? When you first start out, it's not safe to try out a bunch of one rep max. As much as some meatheads love to do it, myself included, it's fun. Um, not a good idea, unless unless you've properly prepared for it and have a uh, professional there, or at least someone you can trust to spot you. Now, the ages at which um, people are beginners typically are anything uh, below 14 all the way up to 18. They can be considered beginners. Very few people reach a uh, a point in their training uh, by 18 where they're like, okay, I don't, I don't need to get any bigger, and I'm really not going to get that much stronger. Very few people reach that point. There's there's still so much room to go. An intermediate, which is where I'm, I'm at, still gains at a good rate, but not as much. Almost fully developed, uh, but still has room to grow, like physically with size. Um, form is almost as good as it'll get, but there's obviously still some tweaks here and there. And has done a lot of high-intensity lifting. And this is typically the ages of 19 to 21. But here's the thing. When I turn 21 doesn't mean, or when I turn 22 rather, doesn't mean, oh yeah, I'm out of the intermediate stage. That ultimately depends. Because I I still might have room to get bigger. I'll definitely have room to get stronger. Um, and there still might be a couple form tweaks here and there that might need work. And uh, obviously, I'm, I may not be at that stage where I'm going to really be pushing the ceiling. Because... The uh, beginning, beginner and intermediate, as I'll get to, a lot of it is about uh, lifting the floor. It's not it. it there's a there's a pushing the ceiling in that where you're trying to go for performance in those stages. But ultimately, it's about building a really good foundation, especially with beginner, because once you have, if you have a good foundation, you can build whatever you want on it. All right. And of course, advanced. You are fully developed in size. You're as you're as big as you need to be. If you get any bigger, it could be a detriment to your performance. You can make gains, but it's much harder. You have to be a lot uh, more picky with what you do and the things and the types of extra, uh, training you do. 
is much more specific. It's very like day to day type of things. It's not it's, it's not as easy to train. Uh, it's like for from a coaching perspective, it's a lot harder to train advanced athletes because you got to throw a lot of different things at them to make their body adapt. Since their body is so well adapted to so many different things, it's you have to you have to find where it's not not adapted. And of course, does a lot of high intensity lifting. So this is you know if you're talking like university setting, this is like your fourth years, your fifth years, those types of guys, the guys that are ready to, ready to make the transition to pro. And once you go pro, um, it's pretty safe to say that you're an advanced athlete, unless, of course, cases like Yanis, the, the basketball player, um, when he went pro, that guy, that guy, you could safely say he was a beginner, when he, when he, even though he was a phenomenal athlete uh, when he was 18 and he, when he got drafted. The guy had so much room to, to to grow. I mean, first of all, he grew three inches, and then of course he put on I don't know, forty pounds, something ridiculous like that, and of course got way way stronger. Now I would say he's an advanced uh, advanced lifter. He's an advanced athlete, and even though he he did it fairly quickly, he's been an advanced lifter for the past I'd say three four years now. Um, it's still it, it it his body responded very well. So the the guy has. Uh, he's been very, very genetically blessed, let's say. Now, with all this, it takes time. As I said, like if you're, you're, you're in certain stages for two years, five years, it can all depend. Like I'm, 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 I say 19 to 21 for intermediates, but it could be 18 to 22. You know, there's, there's no specific uh, rules. It depends it highly. It varies from person to person. And uh, with that, I'm not here to give you guys any hacks to make you gain strength super quickly. Um, rather, I'm going to give you uh, a kind of a strategy for uh, you to increase your strength gradually and consistently over time throughout your athletic career. So this is a, this is a more sound uh, strategy for you to gain muscle. It's not going to be like, oh, do, th- do this, these cool three you know, form fixes or whatever, and you'll get super strong. And now before I get into how we train each each one of these types of uh, athletes. I want to get into kind of the similarities and, and just the main important points of each uh, of strength training. So now for all of these levels of training, there are similarities. The, the main one being that lifting heavier weights can, keyword can, lead to you becoming stronger. Uh, as you'll see with all these, the, the end goal ultimately is to be lifting heavier weights. Uh, when you lift heavier weights, it correlates well to you being a strong athlete. This this much we know. And when when you do lift these weights, even when it's a bit lighter, they must be lifted with high volition, so high intense. So you you want to drive these things up with with everything you have, and a high velocity, so very quickly. Um, and this is when you get the greatest uh, adaptation and strength from these exercises. Like I mentioned, when you, when with the neural component, when you do things with high volition. Um, not only will more motor units be activated, but the, the, there's going to be a higher a fire rate from each motor unit. So you'll be able to contract more uh, muscle tissue as well as have it contract uh, faster and with a, and have it be stronger. The, the contraction is going to be stronger, like I said, leading to greater force production. And another thing you'll see with uh, all of these types of training is they will follow a basic, a very basic, uh, periodized structure. So periodization in training is ultimately long-term changes in training variables. 
So this means, uh, let's say if you have, you have your volume and you have your intensity, these are like the two, the two biggest, uh, training variables that most people alter. Uh, initially in, in the off season, you start off with a higher volume, so higher workload. You're doing more set, more, not necessarily more sets, but more reps per set. Uh, and you have a bit of a lower intensity because there's a trade-off. You can't, you can't do the same weight you do with five for five reps for 10 reps. So you have with, for 10 reps, you have to go lighter and because of that lower intensity. But as you go on in your off season, that event, that starts to flip. So you decrease the volume over time. You, you do fewer reps per set. And with that, you can do more weight, uh, during each set. And that's a very, that's the, the, the basic essence of what each of these things do. It's just the little details, uh, for each one that kind of changes. So now for a beginner, there's the number one priority is always going to be form. Cause this is the one way in which beginners are going to gain a lot of strength and start to set a very good foundation for you, for themselves. And when you have a good foundation, they will then be able to build some muscle off of that, gain some strength through the neural component and it'll help. And then of course, continue to develop that over time. So now what about, uh, sets, reps, intensity, volume, and all that stuff. So for beginners, uh, like I said, you want to start off with a higher volume and a bit lower intensity. So taking every set close to failure, but not to failure so that you can avoid excessive fatigue. The reason why I say higher, I, I recommend initially in the off season, uh, higher volume and uh, lower intensity is uh, twofold. One is because the the higher volume is going to allow them to get more practice in with uh, the certain exercises. If you do three sets of 10 for bench press, then you've gotten 30 reps in total. But if you're doing only three by five, you're doing 15. So that you're doing getting half the amount of practice. Anytime you lift a weight, it's essentially also practice uh, for that exercise to get the um, the movement pattern down uh, down pat. The other thing that this does is higher volume uh, has shown to be better for hypertrophy. There's going to be a bit more muscle breakdown uh, during the lifts, and because there's going to be more uh, muscle breakdown, if supported through a proper diet, there will also be greater hypertrophy gains. And this is very important for beginners. Like I said, they're typically underdeveloped. They have a lot of room to, to grow and get bigger, to be more physically dominant or have a greater capacity to uh, produce force. And this means starting off with around sets of around three, three to four sets uh, of 10 to 12 uh, reps. It can even be 10 to 15. You, if you're feeling really weak and you don't really want to uh, do heavier weights, if you do a little more, if you do, do more uh, reps and you decrease the weight a little bit, it's not going to be bad. But now, uh, every month, it'd be a good idea to decrease the reps by two to three reps every month. Uh, you can even you can even go maybe to four uh, if you're really in crunch time and you don't have any, that much time left. Like if you just finished school and you want to get started off with your off season, you're not going to have that much time to decrease it by two. So maybe every two weeks you decrease by two reps so that every month you decrease by four so that you can get down to about four to five reps. I don't recommend anything lower for beginners, people who've only been lifting for say four or five months and even to up to a year. It, it really depends on if you're doing it with a coach, stuff like that. If you're on your own, I don't recommend going uh, much lower than four to five unless you're really comfortable. And this takes about a year, I'd say.
So now once you get down to four or five, that's when you start to do start to enter the uh, the strength training area. That's when you're really you're getting kind of you're getting more of the neural adaptations because the weight is going to be heavier uh, significantly. Now, another thing I want to mention is that it's it's a good rule of thumb to train uh, uh, specific body parts or movements at least two times per week uh, for optimal muscle growth. I'm sure you guys have heard the bro split where you do uh, one body part or one or two body parts parts per uh, per workout. And you train, you know, five different body parts, six different body parts, and you do it once a week. Uh, that's not optimal uh, by any means for muscle growth. It might work for bodybuilders, but we're not bodybuilders. We're we're athletes, no offense, bodybuilders, and our our muscles aren't just to get bigger. It's also for performance and to be capable, right? So, train at least, train everything at least two times per week, and space it out forty eight hours. So, if you did an upper body, let's say you did bench press on Monday, don't do bench press again or any other chest exercise until at least Wednesday, and then go at it again. And like I said, you want to focus every rep and do that with high intent, trying to get the contract, the concentric, so the, the up portion of the lift, of the lift uh, quick. And with regards to rest times, higher rest times, uh, sorry, high, higher rep rest times can be one, uh, one to two minutes. So when you're at that 10 to 12 rep uh, area or block, do that uh, rest about one to two minutes in between. But as the weights go up and the reps go down, so you're doing four to five in this case, you want to increase the rest, do three to four minutes, because it's not just your muscles that have to recover, it's also your nervous system that has to recover. And that's, uh, that's that, that takes a bit more time. So now for intermediates, now that you've gotten uh, a, a chance to really work on your form and it's in a good place, you're now able to start to uh, push the ceiling a little bit. And on top of that, also really start to d develop that neural component. So a lot of the same stuff applies from the beginners. But now here you want to start off uh, with three to four sets of eight to ten reps. And of course, assuming that this is an off season. And then the same applies with how you decrease. You want to decrease over time two to three reps so that you can go, uh, go down to doing uh, either two reps uh, or even singles, so just doing one rep with heavy weight on. But of course, only do this if you have a spotter that you can trust, or you're with a co coach, something like that. Don't go doing singles on your own. It's very dangerous, and I do not, I do not condone this behavior. And again, if if you're pressed for time, you can even try to do two reps every two weeks. It's a bit more ambitious. You 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 may uh, tire yourself out, but uh, play around with it, see how you feel. If you need to take a, take some time to decrease the volume and kind of recover a little bit, do that as well. But the important part with this is that you're able to work down to lower rep ranges and higher intensities. You want the high intensity. Cause like I said, a big portion of strength development revolves around, uh, taxing your nervous system appropriately with these higher intensities, i.e. heavy weight so that your nervous system is like, okay, I need to be able to withstand this the next time and it's going to develop little by little every time you, you tax it every time you stimulate it it's going to get a little stronger and over time you'll be able to produce more force be a better athlete be stronger and just better and a bit little bit of a caveat here is that when you get down to the lower reps you want the weight to be heavy enough so that it is hard and you have to grind through it but not so uh heavy that you fail because when you fail 
it's it's not just okay well i'll just lower the weight a little bit you're really taxing your nervous system when you fail and if you tax your nervous system too far that's when you can get fatigue and that's when your strength can actually start to dip so you want to make sure you are always below failure when it comes to strength training and not failing often so that your nervous system is not being overly taxed and can then therefore recover and adapt if it's being overly stimulated and you're failing constantly then it's going to be overly taxed it's not going to be able to recover because it needs more time to recover because of the fact that it got so um so beat up from the workout all in all you're not going to be able to progress with your strength as much as you'd want and that's not really the goal from all this you want to be able to progress slowly and consistently over a long period of time so now let's dive into advanced athletes training advanced athletes like i said is is very complicated their their bodies have already seen so many different uh uh, things so many different training training strategies that to create adaptations for them uh for strength can be difficult because you try to throw something new at their body and it's like ah i kind of already seen this before sorry try again and their body's gonna be able to overcome that because the our bodies are constantly update being updated to different stimuli if you've thrown enough stimulus stimulus at your body it's going to be able to adapt to all of these things it's kind of cool how we work sadly it takes time to do all this but once it happens it's like okay you know you can kind of appreciate that even if it's so even if it makes your gains slower and much of what advanced athletes do is much of the same as uh intermediate except they do not need to start with that high of a rep range uh, they're already sort of developed that they don't really need that higher volume work. They don't need the hypertrophy from it. And it's just kind of just a waste of time for them. So if they start with six to eight, I think that's plenty for any advanced lifter. And again, if you're, this is for people that are 22 and above. So this, this is a very small uh, uh, portion of, of uh, athletes. But they start with lower reps and they can start to decrease down to uh, two, down to two, two reps or even singles, and they can even start to do things such as pause sets. So uh, that's where you, you do a set, you rack it, and you wait, you wait a, a very specific amount of time, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and then you go at it again. You can do cluster sets, and that's where you, you get a very heavy weight, like 95% of your one rep max. You do a rep with it, you rack it, you wait eight, 12 seconds, you, you unrack it, you do it again, and you do that three to five times. You can do partial reps, so things such as quarter squats. Uh, this is kind of this is big for um, for vertical jump. There's there's many many people that believe that doing some variation of a quarter squat can help with vertical jump because you overload the nervous system because uh, you can put more weight on your back. You can overload the nervous system, and then uh, when it comes to you trying to jump, your body's your nervous system is going to be better trained to produce more force. And then you can use different types of equipment such as chains, bands, you name it. You need you need a lot you need to throw a lot of different things at uh, advanced athletes, and this is why the training transitions more from just straight up strength training to power training, which incorporates work on moving the weight fast. So you use uh, velocity training to do this. You can hook up um, a vertex or some other like a push unit or something like that onto the bar, and it can measure the velocity at which they lift the bar, and that's important because. Some, it's not just about lifting the weight, it's about lifting the weight fast. In, in sports, things happen fast. You need to be able to, to move on the dime, unless you're like a marathon runner where you know things aren't as twitchy. Um, but if you play you know, volleyball, basketball, f- football, soccer, all these things, all these require some component of being very twitchy. 
jumping high, running fast, cutting, all this sort of thing. And in a sense, you want to train uh, like that in the gym. You want to do things as fast as you can in the gym. So sometimes what the advanced athletes will do is they will pick a weight that they can do fairly easily, but they will try to lift it as fast as possible. So that, because if they were to do a normal rep with it, it'd be like nothing. But tell them to do it at one meters per second or 1.5 meters per second, which is ridiculously fast. Um, you'll see that they'll, they have some difficulty with it. And then in that way, you can train the nervous system in a different manner. And there's a bit of a, this is, this is the one area where people will say you don't need to lift heavy weights to get stronger. Because if you lift them really fast, then you can also get stronger like that. There's some cool research on this stuff, but I'm not going to get into that rabbit hole because it it doesn't uh, doesn't involve the majority of of athletes. So now, with that being said, if you're still listening, I truly, truly appreciate you. It really means a lot. I hope you guys got something out of today's episode. I know that it was a lot of information being thrown at you. So if you were able to catch just one or two things, I think that's that's more than enough. If you like. You can follow Manoa on Instagram at Manoa.Athletics. It's the best place to stay up to date with all things Manoa. My name is Yanis Patsakis, and we'll talk more next time. Thank you.